This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Sports Radio, where your hosts, Dave Stahl, Lance Pelkey, and Michael Schwartz, educate you on anything and everything related to our Second Amendment right. Visit GunSportsRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor and or guest of the show. Now here comes Hour 2 of Gun Sports Radio and your hosts, Dave, Lance, and Michael. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Sports Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, you know, you might have missed the first hour, which you'll definitely want to go take a listen to it. But you can go to San Diego County Gun Owners, uh, SD, SDCGO.org. And you can listen to any and all the shows. Do we have them up on Gun Sports Radio, too, there, Sunshine? Absolutely. Well, then you can go there as well if all those letters confuse you. Um or you can go to any of your podcast platforms and, and go just look for Gun Sports Radio. It's all right there. The second hour sponsor is our good buddies at Cali Key. Cali Key uh, is, you know, is the best way to get your AR-15 and AR-10 to instantly make it California compliant. For more information, just check them out at Cali Key. That's CaliKey.com. K-A-L-I-K-E-Y.com. Self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and unfortunately, the justice system may not be on your side. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with the comprehensive self-defense coverage of an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does U.S. Law Shield. What's your plan after you defend yourself or your family? Consider a plan from U.S. Law Shield. Check them out today at uslawshield.com. That's uslawshield.com. All right, this segment is brought to you by the good folks at San Diego County Gun Owners. Go to www.sdcgo.org. Join today. $10. Come on, I'll loan you the money. Joe Germisi, our covert blogger, he writes a blog once a week, and he's so wrapped up in his blogs, he had to break one down into three parts. So he's going to talk to you about the third part of a three-part segment. Lockdown got you down. Develop your dry fire practice routine. How you doing, Joe? Doing oh, great. I'm glad you remembered that part there of yeah. the three-part series. Good, yeah, not good. bad for an old guy. Huh? <laughs> so uh, as Dave was saying, um, did a I, I was uh, we started a a um, concealed carry lifestyle series. So a bunch of articles. You know, writing an article every couple of weeks, maybe, on some aspect of concealed carry. So as part of that series, um, I decided since we're all locked down nowadays, uh, a good thing to do is develop your dry fire practice uh, routine. If you can get that down, uh, you'll see a big difference once we get back to the range and we start shooting again. So I had to break it into three parts. The first part, we talked about just setting up your dry practice area, how to go about it, you know, making sure you're safe and everything. And it covered, um, it addressed uh, practicing your draw, the four-step draw, either from concealment or from open carry. And then part two talked about uh, practicing a, a good sight picture, a good grip, and good trigger control. Uh, all three uh, really good things to do in the dry fire environment. And um, today, the third part uh, addresses malfunctions and clearing malfunctions. And the uh, the type one, type two, and type three malfunctions are, are common Things that happen uh, on the range, if you shoot for a while, you'll see it, um, you'll experience these things. And, um, you know, if you shoot uh, competitions, which I always, uh, I always um, 
suggest people get into that because it's just a great way to develop your skills. It's a lot of fun. You'll meet a lot of great people and you'll get to experience these malfunctions uh, under time pressure and you'll get really good at clearing them. Um, not so much if you shoot a clock, but if you shoot other guns, you'll get good at, at clearing those things. Um, <laughs> Biting social commentary. <laughs> <laughs> it was. But, um, but anyway, uh, the, the type one, what we talked about or what the article talks about um, is a type one malfunction is just when you, um, you get the gun up, you're on target, you pull the trigger and you hear a click instead of a bang for there may not be a round in the chamber. The round in the chamber may misfire or something happened that didn't go off. So there's uh, just a couple of quick steps to um, going through and clearing that. And um, what I did is I described the setup. So how you set that up in a dry fire environment using uh, snap caps or, or dummy ammunition, basically. Um, and uh, I go through and step by step and explain how to practice clearing that. And then um, I link to a video and I've got three different video links on there because um, what I like to do is I could explain those things, but it's nice to see somebody doing it. Mm -hmm. So I found um, actually a place it's called uh, Opsgear, I think was the site, uh, because looking around, you can find videos of people demonstrating clearing malfunctions, doing different things. But, you know, a lot of them, it's, it's somebody sitting in their bedroom. They got the, you know, let, kill them all, let God sort them out T-shirt on and all that kind of stuff. And I wanted to find, if I'm going to link to something, I want to find a video that's good. Somebody's doing it competently and it, it kind of is professional looking. And the obscure videos uh, were great. So I found one um, where they're actually demonstrating in type one, type two, and type three malfunction. So I've linked to those in the article. Um, but the type one malfunction is just that. It's uh, pretty quick and easy to clear. Type two malfunction, uh, sometimes called a stovepipe, where, uh, or a failure to eject, where the, uh, you, you shoot the gun and uh, it doesn't uh, completely eject the spent case and the case gets hung up or caught in the ejection port. It gets trapped in there by the slide. And um, I go through, again, um, in the article, I go through the setup, so how you would set that up in your gun, and then the steps for clearing it, so the practice drill that you would run through. And then the type three, the third one is um, sometimes called a double feed or a failure to feed, where um, you'll have a round in the chamber, and then the other round that tries to load the other round up behind it, so you've got the second round pushed up against the one that's in the chamber. And that one's a little bit um, more complicated. They're not hard to do, but it's a little bit more complicated. But again, I go through the steps of how to set it up and then how to run through and practice it. And um, practicing, clearing those malfunctions is a great thing to do in a dry fire environment um, because you can go through and you practice the steps slowly. And then once you get the steps down, you can start practicing against the timer and try to get faster and faster. Um, most of the time, if you take a good, um, a basic handgun class or something, they'll go through those, mis those um, malfunctions and how to clear them. Uh, if you step it up and go to some place like, uh, like Front Sight, like we do the charity shoot every week or every year, I mean, <laughs> uh, where you spend four or five days I out wish. there. <laughs> yeah, I wish every week. Um, but you spend uh, four or five days in a class, you'll go through and do those things over and over again, and you'll be surprised how quick you get at it. Um, I was talking about the competitive shooting. So we, once things open back up again, we tend to uh, shoot matches every Saturday. And every once in a while, even with the Glock, um, you know, you'll get one of those in the middle of a stage where the gun will malfunction. And it's amazing after you do it for a while, you just get, you don't even think about it, you just get really quick at clearing those things. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a lot of fun, but that's a good thing to practice, um, you know, now with the dry fire routine. I got a question, and, and, and it's, it's just a question that I've never really got an answer from. Is it, is it damaged the gun any way, shape, or form to fire it unloaded with nothing in the chamber? 
They say mostly not. There are some guns they say that are sensitive to that, but for the most part, from what I hear, and Michael, you guys jump in on this. For the most part, I mean, what I'm is sure it, it, if when you pull the trigger, it's not hitting anything. But we, right. you're, you're fine. We could totally ver- fine, we could yeah. verify this with David here in a few minutes, but um, <laughs> but no, for the most part, it doesn't it doesn't hurt anything to dry fire those things. Sometimes I've heard people say with a 22, it's not good to do it. Um, but mostly what I hear people say, it's fine to dry fire like that. And again, if you're using the snap caps, uh, the source I've referenced um, in the article, uh, Lenny McGill at the Glock store mm. makes something called, he calls dumb munitions. And it's the same thing. It's just a, uh, it's, it's, um, it's a round that's the same dimensions physically as a real round, except there's no primer and it's completely inert and it can't go off. Gotcha. But uh, great to use for. I mean, if, if you were going to, you know, a gun's a machine. So if you were going to dry fire it, you know, 2,000 times a day for, for no ammo for, for 10 years, you're going to wear it out because it's a machine. But no, you, yeah. dry firing is not going to dent. It's I not had like, somebody asked me that the other day. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's not like a like a bow. You know, if you dry fire a bow, you'll probably break the, the limbs mm-hmm. of the bow. It's not like that at all. So, gotcha. Yeah. That's good to know. Well, and it's. So yeah, I, when I used to do a lot of IDPA, I would see a malfunction just about every time I went out. Some kind of malfunction. How often do you actually see malfunctions? You see them a lot, especially um, guys that are shooting the open division, because I shoot USPSA, which is a little bit different. But the open division, they've got the tricked out guns. Everything is dialed in just perfectly. And you'll see a lot of malfunctions with those because everything is just exactly perfect and something gets off and it malfunctions airline perfect and yeah and those are those are what you'll see the those three that we just talked about um generally and not so much the the uh the type one i'll see sometimes because i reload and occasionally i'll get a high primer and it won't go off so i'll see that once in a while um but you'll see the feed failures and the other ones and you see them um pretty much at least on every stage anyway you'll see somebody have something like that i had a i went up to uh, shoot a a stage and I didn't have enough ammo to top off my magazine. So I had one in the pipe and then I had a magazine that, that needed one more round. And the guy behind me handed me a 45 from, from his, you know, from his pocket. So buzzer went off, I shot and then poof, malfunction. And I had to clear it real, real quick. You know, it was my first like, you know, real, you know, real world malfunction to actually have not like training and everything. And what it was is that he reloaded and he he downloaded his his ammunition, so it was really really uh, um, under oh, underpowered. Yeah. yeah, so you know, I would have just done better with with uh, you know with uh, nine rounds in the in the. So did you punch him? No, I didn't punch him. But I was okay. like, ah oh, man, no, lesson <laughs> learned. But that was the one time. And, and honestly, uh, you know what it is is there's this comfort level when you clear. You know, when you recognize what's going on, you clear it and get right back on target. There's a comfort level. You realize, you know what? I'm very comfortable with my firearm, and that's very... uh, That's good to feel. It is. That proficiency is a good feeling. All right. Let's take a quick break. Why? Because we have to. But when we come back, there's a whole lot more on Gun Sports Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Folks, welcome back to Gun Sports Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, the California assault weapon laws make it almost impossible to own an AR pattern rifle. So what is the solution? Well, that's Cali Key. It'll convert any mil-spec direct impingement AR pattern rifle 
into a straight full bolt action rifle so it can have all the features without being considered an assault weapon. It's a true drop-in solution. No milling, no aesthetic modifications, and no turning off your gas system. Keep your entire AR collection intact at a price you can afford with Cali Key. Check out Cali Key at CaliKey.com. That's K-A-L-I-K-E-Y.com. Hey, this segment is sponsored by the good folks at U.S. Law Shields. USLawShield.com. Check them out for all the protection you can handle. Do we have our good buddy John Dillon on the line? How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you guys? Just living the dream. Yeah, nice. I'm actually uh, was just online buying a 308 upper receiver, so I, today's been a good day. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be working? Yeah, you know, that's what the great thing. I work from home, you do a little shopping. That's my wife. Cooking. I go into her office and I said, aren't you supposed to be working? She says, well, I am. Well, you're buying dog food. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm buying gun parts. That's important. Oh, okay. okay. So how have you been? We haven't heard from you in forever. We thought the courts got no, you. No, I know. It's, uh, it's been busy and, uh, I, you know, I think next week I'll have a, a fun announcement, but I, I got to hold off on, on no, that announcement no. uh, nice. until then. But um, how was that? What did you think of that yeah, legal you know, roller coaster on Thursday and Friday? Oh yeah, that's what I was going to talk about. We had a you know a, a Freedom Week 2.0, so to speak, uh, in this last week. Uh, Judge Benitez, the the Holy Father, strikes again. Uh, <laughs> Now, uh, for those of you not too familiar, uh, basically on the 23rd uh, of this month, uh, last Thursday, uh, Judge uh, Benitez issued uh, an order an order granting uh, a preliminary injunction against uh, California's ammunition laws. Uh, and just like when this is the same judge that. Uh, preliminary and joined the magazine ban and allowed for that freedom week where everyone was able to purchase standard capacity magazines again. Uh, similar, very similar. Uh, he struck down the laws. So basically, uh, you know, years ago we had proposition 63, uh, and you know, the California voters voted for this because, you know, the title and the description of the, the law that they were voting on was very deceiving, in my opinion. Uh, it was talking about, oh, gun safety for all. Uh, and people didn't have any idea what they were voting for. But it basically enacted uh, regulations that would require a background check every time you purchase ammunition. It also prohibited people from buying ammunition online and having it shipped to their door. These are things that people have been able to do for 170 years. Ammunition has never been regulated uh, like that, that you never had to do a background check for ammunition. You could always buy it and ship to your door. No problem. Um, and California enacted this law, you know, with these regulations. And uh, since the start of, you know, this background check process, it has been just horrendous. Um, people get denied all the time that shouldn't be denied. Uh, if you, you know, bought a gun when you lived in a certain house years ago, and then you, moved uh and then you know hadn't bought a gun since but then wanted to buy some ammunition for it and you have an updated driver's license if those if your new address was on your license 
but your gun was registered under your old address, you get denied, and then you got to go through this process of updating all your information, paying for more background checks. I mean, it's I could go on for days uh, about all the various problems and the little minute details that will get you rejected uh, under this system. But, uh, you know, on Thursday, we got an order from Judge Benitez that basically said, uh, no, uh, this is a violation of the Second Amendment. It's also a violation of the Dormant Commerce Clause. Uh, and uh, he enjoined it, basically struck down the law as unconstitutional. And for, I think, what was it, uh, about like 24-hour period of time? I was going to say about 29 hours. Yeah, 29 hours we were able to, again, freely buy ammunition like we always have been. Uh, like I said, for literally the last 170 years, you've always been able to buy ammunition free and clear without any issue. Uh, and so there was a, a quick run on ammunition, uh, that's for sure. Uh, this time, it seems the the state was a little bit more prepared uh with the bad news, uh, they I think they can see the writing on the wall and see that their uh, their arguments just don't hold water. And uh, you know, when they're uh, they're ruled on objectively under a real constitutional standard, they just they don't hold up. So the state uh, they requested a stay uh, to Judge Benitez immediately, and Benitez came back and said, "No, uh, I'm rejecting that request for a stay." So. The state went, you know, over the head of Benitez and appealed, I think, at nine o'clock at night on Friday uh, to get the Ninth Circuit to issue a stay uh, uh, on this order. And, you know, our our wonderful Ninth Circuit, they uh, granted that stay, uh, you know, late at night on Friday and ended our very small, quick uh, ammunition freedom week. Now, I, the, so yeah, it was a little bit of a roller coaster. The decision, I mean, he he referred to the law as onerous and convoluted. I, the decision, all 120 pages of it, was uh, I've been describing it as a scathing uh, rebuke of of not just this law, but it, he touched on a lot of the other laws um, a little bit, but especially of Prop 63, especially the ammo um, background check. Have you ever read a decision that? Um, that critical? Oh, yeah. So this is the important point. It's like, yeah, it is, you know, a scathing order. But also, objectively, in applying true legal constitutional standards, uh, the judge is quite accurately applying constitutional law here and Second Amendment rights. And uh, he's not letting the state get by with frivolous, made-up uh, assumptions and arguments that have no evidence to support them. Um, you know, in the past, you know, the judges have allowed the state to just go, oh, no, no this is for public safety, and because we said so, it, it works, trust us. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, many judges have said, oh, for, for public safety, then of course it's, it must be constitutional. And, you know, finally we have a judge who's looking at this critically and, and truly applying the standards that have been set by, you know, uh, you know Heller, uh, the Heller decision. It made it very clear how these things are to be analyzed. And, you know, I, I keep saying it, but for 107 years in this country, we've never had a- ammunition regulations. Uh, so there's no historical pedigree. So where's this going to go? Like this. John, where's this going to go? 
Well, yeah. So uh, the state has two options really right now. Um, they can appeal this decision on the preliminary injunction. Uh, but if they do do that, that would be an interlocutory appeal, which means uh, since the preliminary injunction is a motion during uh, the pretrial stage, they haven't actually gone to trial yet settled the whole case on the merits. Uh, so if the state was to appeal this order, they would go up to you know, the Court of Appeals, but it would be analyzed under the abuse of discretion standard. And that's a pretty high standard in the sense of the Court of Appeals is going to look at it and say, look, did this judge you know, abuse his discretion in issuing this order? And anyone who reads this 120-page order can see that it is well researched, well thought out. Uh, you know the rationale; it's all there. The evidence; it's all there. I mean, uh, but he does just you know he eviscerates this law uh, on sound constitutional grounds. So uh, you know, even in our you know, I'll say the anti Second Amendment uh, courts of appeals in, in California. Uh, Many judges who, you know, let's say they hate gun rights uh, would have their hands tied because they couldn't really make the argument that there is an abuse of discretion with this order. This is a sound uh, decision. There's no question. Um, So they probably won't do that because if they did, they'd likely lose. Uh, So the other option is to continue on. Uh, They have this stay that's been issued by the Ninth Circuit. Uh, and they can go uh, forward, and that'll be you know discussed and argued uh, on kind of on the side. But they can wait and go uh, to trial on the merits for this case, and you know if they lose again, which they likely will with Benitez as a judge, because this is you know uh, the one factor in a preliminary injunction is the plaintiffs are likely to succeed on the merits. And so that means the judges looked at the merits of the case, looked at the merits of the evidence and the arguments, and he's saying, yep, uh, based off what I have in front of me, it's more likely that the plaintiffs are going to win. Um, so that's, it's a, you know, a little heads up to that's, unless something crazy changes in the record or the arguments, that's likely what the decision is going to be at trial. So the state will likely lose a trial and then they can appeal on the whole complete record uh, later on. So those are kind of the, the two main options that are going on there. Well, and the judge basically gave a roadmap saying, you know, these are the four reasons. These are the four things I'm looking for. Um, so all they, you know, what they have to do is thoroughly prepare based on the four reasons he gave in the decision, right? So he's basically paving the road for him. Yeah, and so, like, you know, th- that's the one, I guess, downside from a plaintiff's perspective with a preliminary injunction like this it kind of shows the state's weaknesses so they can go, okay, these are our horrible, you know, rational weaknesses. And so for trial, they got to, you know, fix those areas of their argument. However, in this instance, uh, you know, in this law, I really don't see uh, a lot of that happening because we truly have a dysfunctional system that flags a bunch of people that don't need to be flagged. That's causing way more hardship than any good. I mean, it's, the numbers of actual people that are prohibited that have been stopped by the background check system is, you know, pretty absurd. Uh, when you look at the numbers, it's like a 0.0% I believe. Um, so it's, you know, we're not talking, the, the, there's no argument that 
public safety is being increased in any way, any real way, because these these are, you know, these are rookie numbers. They're they're, they're tiny, insignificant. You know, uh, if this was a statistics class, it would be a you know an outlier number that's wholly ignored. Uh, so uh, you know. I don't think the state has a strong argument. The, the, the main problem here uh, is when you go to Court of Appeals and you know Ninth Circuit, uh, where you have more hostile and, and frankly a little bit more biased, uh, you know, reasoning and rationale uh, being implemented against the Second Amendment. Um, you don't have that you know same objective analysis, unfortunately. Uh, you know, that's where it's going to go down. Uh, you know, it's pretty clear we see, uh, you know, we have the judge's, you know, pre-trial decision basically in front of us. And, you know, at 120 pages, if everyone remembers, the magazine uh, order, I think, was 96. So he's beefed up uh, his, uh, his writing and he's given an even more thorough uh, response. Uh, and the other thing that he also, you know, granted this preliminary injunction not solely based on the Second Amendment, but also, uh, you know, a violation of the Dormant Commerce Clause. And this is basically a restriction on the states uh, that prohibits economic protectionism or, you know, regulatory measures that are designed to benefit in-state economic interests by burdening out-of-state competitors. So by prohibiting out-of-state ammunition sellers, FFLs and all that, from being able to sell ammunition uh, to in-state uh, in Californians, uh, you know, they, they're essentially uh, establishing regulatory measures that are, you know, uh, yeah. Mi- mi- Michigan can't say you can only buy a car in Michigan that's made in Detroit, right? right. You know, yeah, exactly, it's, yeah. And, it's, and that's essentially what's going on with uh, the ammunition laws. You know, well, uh, well, many John. people would buy ammunition <laughs> online. Good luck. Get back to shopping. Now you got to buy the other end of that gun. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hey, say say hi to the family and go go play with the kids. Will do. All right. Hey, this is Gun Sports Radio FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Welcome back. Gun Sports Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, have you been to AO Sword Firearms in El Cajon? Well, let me tell you what, you got to go. You got the widest selection of guns in San Diego County with over 600 unique guns in stock, including hundreds of used guns. Go see their full service experience gunsmith. They can do everything from mild repairs to full custom firearms. A.O. Sword Firearms Store located at 929 East Main Street in the city of El Cajon. Go to their website at aosword.com or call them at 619-749-4867. Bill Buyer Repair. A.O. Sword Firearm is your go-to place for all things firearms. That's aosword.com. Call them 619-749-4867. And speaking of A.O. Sword, here is the man, David Chong. How you doing, bud? Good. I'm enjoying this heat. Finally. Oh, it's hot out in El Cajon, man. Yeah. It's hot. It's hot to need a pool. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got a little bit of a short segment, so I'll get right to it today. Uh, you guys know we're getting mostly new 
gun buyers uh, these days. And so we've got thousands of uh, new handgun owners out there. And, and most of them uh, are specifically, really, these are families that um, I would say half of my buyers came in as husband and wife or, or uh, you know, um, cohabitating uh, um, couples. And, and they, uh, uh, they said, hey, this is for home defense. So on a home defense gun, I really, really like having a uh, a weapon light, yeah. a, a, a flashlight mounted to that firearm, to that handgun, or even a, you know AR-15 if if that's what you're choosing to employ. How many of you guys use uh, lights on your guns? I, every gun, every gun I have. Yeah, yeah. Every even single your carry one. gun. Even my carry gun. My carry gun right now has a light on it. Absolutely. Right on. Yeah. Uh, it's wonderful when you can do that. You, ha- you do have to uh, get a specialty holster uh, that, that'll fit inside the waistband if that's how you carry. But, yeah, the uh, uh, flashlight on a uh, weapon, uh, on a uh, carry gun is, is a, a great choice. Yeah. But certainly for home defense where you're not worried about uh, um, where you're going to uh, stuff it in a, in a holster, uh, it just absolutely makes sense. Uh, for me, just to differentiate a little bit, I use my flashlight in my daily life as a as a gunsmith so much that, of course, I don't want to be pulling out my gun and muzzling whatever I need to see with my flashlight. So since I have a handheld flashlight on me already, my carry guns don't get uh, weapon lights. But again, that is because two things. One, I have a, a, a portable uh tactical flashlight on me already and i have trained to use that light in a modified two-hand grip with my handgun uh, most new gun owners are barely going to have time to adequately train on their own on their firearm at all in the first place let alone uh operating a a, a flashlight with one of their hands so these tactical lights, they use the rails that uh, are mounted on most modern semi-automatic handguns. Even some revolvers have them these days. But uh, that, that little Picatinny rail on the bottom right in front of the trigger guard, uh, a light clamps on there. And then most of the modern ones, it's just a little push on, push off. Or if you hold it down on the best ones that I recommend, hold it down and it will stay on momentarily until you let off. And so you only have to have the flashlight on for as long as you need it to uh, see what you're shooting at or whether whether what you're looking at needs to be shot or not. And what, what, which one do you recommend? Do, do you have a particular one you recommend, or are there a couple? I'm I'm kind of a TLR guy. I like a, the TLR. Yeah, there's there's a few. The, you're starting at the top, uh, Mr. Money Pants. Yeah, <laughs> we carry we carry several versions of the TLR uh, from Streamlight. That's the uh, the pop, most popular one is the TLR eight, and that is a combination weapon light and laser. A couple different. Uh, flavors. Uh, the A is the one that I prefer. It has um, paddles or modified paddles uh, so that you can just with a stroke of your uh, trigger finger or support hand thumb, you can uh, activate or deactivate the light. Um, the, the basic TLR has uh, side mounted switches and I don't prefer those as much because you're you're doing an unnatural motion to me that's a little bit of a reach anyway personal preference but the TLR8 combination 500 lumen light as well as a laser 
I, I don't love lasers, but I also don't uh, uh, poo-poo people who uh, use them. They're a great uh, warm fuzzy for being, having the confidence in, in your uh, worst moment of, of testing and trial that that, that bullet is going to go exactly where uh, you intend it to because, of course, we, we own, as good guys and girls, we own every bullet that we send downrange. So the, the laser, as long as it's daytime, or excuse me, as long as it's nighttime or low light, uh, reassures you that uh, your point of aim and point of impact are going to be in the spot you want, and that runs about two hundred sixty, two hundred seventy dollars for that combo. Uh, there's a two hundred forty dollar option that is the TLR. Oh, I think it's just a plain old vanilla TLR, and that's got a, a red laser on it and the side-mounted paddles. So uh, I think that, I apologize, the one I just quoted you with the higher price, that's the TLR-8G, which is a green laser, and that's for folks who may need to, who anticipate possibly shooting in the day. The green laser is going to show up uh, in full daylight out to about 10 or 15 yards, depending on the lighting conditions. So that's so me mentioning that that differentiation is one of the reasons why I don't recommend just focusing on a laser for your point of aim. It, it takes your uh, focus off of the front sight and onto your target. And um, uh, if you if you just get caught out on the uh, tactical situation that you didn't anticipate, and you're outside in the daytime instead of inside at night. Uh, you may not see that laser, and then you may hesitate in your shot because you're used to having that warm fuzzy of the laser. Well, those la- I think I think the fear the I think the fear is, and 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 it's a totally legit concern, is that people get lasers and then rely on them to. We we need some kind of you know some kind of phrase like a a laser is not a crutch; it's a scalpel or something like that. And, you know, like people kind of like lean on the laser too much. <laughs> At, at the expense of developing skills. And uh, I don't know, is that, is that kind of, am I accurate? Am I saying things that are accurate? Absolutely accurate. Absolutely accurate. I will tell you that one of my carry guns has a laser on it and it's, I don't have to think to activate it. It just activates with my natural uh, firing grip. Uh, it's a, uh, a laser light. And so it, uh, there's a little button that uh, my middle finger uh uh, just naturally presses into when I squeeze the uh, the grip, and of course, if I want to turn it off for stealth, then I can just relax my grip just a little bit. But but again, I've I've trained with front sight focus, and I'm a good reflexive fire shooter, which means I'm aiming with the profile of the gun and muscle memory. But I do a lot of shooting. But I, I really do. Uh, I I think what you're saying, and I, I agree with it. Is a light is is you know I don't really even walk out of a store with a new gun anymore unless I have the light for it. Um, it just yeah. it's 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 almost completely and totally necessary if you're going to buy a gun or if you already own a gun you're going to buy a new gun. I don't I don't see how you don't need a light for it. I, or, or well, you don't buy a car without headlights. <laughs> or I mean, if you're David sure. and, you, and you're well trained with a flashlight and that's some part of your normal you know EDC, then that totally. Me- but I guess what I'm saying is you have to have some kind of light plan if you're going to own any kind of gun, unless it's just like a, you know, unless it's like, well, hey, this is my competition gun. The only thing I use it for is when I, you know, do competition or it's, you know, something like that. 
Sure. Well, we, we take as a, why? Why are we talking about this? Well, we take as, as a fundamental truth that we, we only shoot targets that need to be shot. And the only way to know whether or not something needs to be shot is to actually identify it. And with the way we do that as humans is with light. Uh, so we need to be able to see. So the counter argument would be, well, if it's a weapon light and it's on your pistol, then you're muzzling a target and you don't even know if it's a good guy or a bad guy. Well, not exactly true. You do not have to point the light directly at uh, your target. There are several schools of thought. Some people say, oh, you need only about 200 we- uh, lumens. Anything else is going to blind yourself. I myself like to go to about 500 lumens. Those are the uh, the lights that I recommend because I like to splash my target if, I, if I'm not sure that it's a bad guy. And what that means is I'll aim uh, at the ground in front of them. And uh, th- there's enough of a halo that you can clearly see uh, what you're aiming at. And you're still getting some light splash that's uh, going to disorient them. If you decide that they are somebody who needs to be at least blind while you figure out the situation, you can then go ahead and point in on that, uh, on that target. But you do not have to just point at things randomly with your with your uh, muzzle uh, to use your weapon light. All right, buddy. um, Just really quickly for folks who recoil at that uh, mid two hundred price point, I also have stuff in the low one hundreds, like one hundred and fourteen to one hundred and fifty. Great options from TrueGlow, including a laser, and my favorite that's on most of my home defense uh, lights. It's a Nightstick five fifty XLS that includes a strobe. Wow. We carry them all at AO Sword Firearms. All right. And you're open six days a week? Six days a week, closed on Sundays for rest. But um, uh, Monday through Friday, excuse me, yeah, Monday through Friday, 10 to 6, and Saturday, 10 to 5. All Hope right, folks. There. So take a run over there. You will be totally impressed. Thanks, buddy. It's always good talking to you. Thank you. Take it. Thanks, right. David. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. Sam the Gunman should be on the line on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Welcome back. You are listening to Gun Sports Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, folks, California assault weapon laws makes it almost impossible to own an AR pattern rifle. What's the solution? Cali Key. It'll convert any mill spec direct impingement AR platform rifle into a straight full bolt action rifle so it can have all the features without being considered an assault weapon. It's a true drop-in solution. No milling. No aesthetic modifications and no turning off your gas system. Keep your entire AR collection intact at a price you can afford with Cali Key. Check out Cali Key at CaliKey.com. That's K-A-L-I-K-E-Y.com. Self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone at any time. And unfortunately, the justice system may not be on your side. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off and neither does our coverage. What's your plan after you defend yourself or your family? Consider a plan from U.S. Law Shield. Check them out today. USLawShield.com. That's USLawShield.com. 
PRMI Mortgage, primeres.com backslash Alpine. You know, that refi bell has been ringing like crazy. Home mortgages, interest rates have dropped to a historic low. If you're looking to buy a refi or you are considering a reverse mortgage, you got to call our mortgage guy, Chris Wiley, at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Give Chris a call at 619-722-1303 or primeres.com backslash Alpine. All All right. right. Awesome. We got Sam the Gunman in the wings. Sam the Gunman. We do a segment every week, almost Mm -hmm. every week, called Stump My Nephew, where we uh, ask Sam the Gunman a question that has been sent to us by a listener. If you send us a question and we use it, you get a T-shirt, San Diego County Gun Owners, fashionable T-shirt. And if you stump my nephew, Sam, uh, we'll, you'll get the T-shirt and you'll get a hat. I did not realize that. Yeah. Russell, did you realize that? No, I did not realize that. Nice. I like that we're expanding the drop catalog. That's awesome. Okay. So, this question comes to us. From Alex. Uh, Alex said that she asked that she wrote uh, the question to us from Carlsbad. She was in her inflatable hot tub and she says that she has always wondered what does Sam, are you there first off? Yeah, I am. How are you guys? Excellent. Doing well. Alex from Carlsbad from her inflatable hot tub wrote in because uh, she has been wondering for forever. What does it mean if two bullets have the same ballistics coefficient? What does it mean if two bullets have the same ballistics coefficient? So, if you, I don't, are you able to answer, Alex from Carlsbad? I absolutely am, but uh, it's a little bit of a rabbit hole. So let's get started. First of all, thanks very much for the question, Alex. I hope you're enjoying your inflatable hot tub in these trying times. Um, now, for those of you who don't know. Uh, ballistic coefficient is a measure of really without getting into the technical terminology it's basically a measure of how aerodynamic a projectile is and uh, there again I'm trying to keep this from be I'm trying to keep this as as uh, you know layperson level as possible yeah, dumb it down I mean look you know Lance understands this stuff but I have no idea what you're talking about so keep it you know we're looking at like a sixth maybe seventh grade reading level here Okay, so you have this thing called form factor, which is basically the shape of the bullet, and that factors into ballistic coefficient, which has to do with the composition. And ballistic coefficient, uh, because you're uh, you're taking into account the shape and the material, which matters as to how dense the bullet is, you get a number that allows you to compute using all sorts of advanced calculus that I don't understand the trajectory of the bullet, the path, how much it drops at a given distance, how much it slows down at a given distance, all that interesting stuff. So basically, the uh, ballistics coefficient of a, of a, let's say, a cinder block would be worse than a uh, than a than a, a cone. The exact if you had the exact same size and weight and material, the ballistics coefficient of something square would be worse than the ballistics coefficient of something that would be cone shaped. Is that is that what we're is that what we're talking? Exactly. So that's why in match ammunition you generally have 
uh, either a solid copper construction or copper jacketed lead core, nothing fancy inside, and a very long profile for the bullet itself, almost always including a very long boat tail. So no matter what, so if if you we're not talking about how much powder it has or how powerful it is, we're not even talking about caliber. We're this when you're talking about ballistics coefficient. You're just talking about how aerodynamic, how aerodynamic the design of that projectile is. Exactly. BC is a number, and it takes into account the shape and the composition, and that's how you calculate those ballistics trajectories that you use to zero your rifle. Okay, I think you got that one right. <laughs> Excellent! Excellent job. That's awesome. All right. Well, very, very cool. That's great. How are, how's our, how are sales going at the uh, Virginia shop? It's kind of died down a little bit. People are, uh, I guess, panicking less. All the people who wanted to panic buy have done so already, and, and everyone, I guess, is just sort of hunkering down in their homes. So, do you know about ballistics coefficient. Uh, do, you, uh, do you reload? Are you, are you doing that yet? Uh, I do not. I actually went online and uh, did some research as to how much it would cost versus how much it would save me to reload 5.56, which is uh, the caliber I go through the most. And it would actually cost me more to reload it than I can get it for. Oh, that's interesting. How are you getting 2.23 so, or 5.56 so cheap? Trade secret. <laughs> <laughs> Really, all you have to do is look around uh, and go to all the gun shows, which I, I can't do because I have work, but whenever I can, I go to one because it's usually cheaper there. But typically somebody that's wor- that's doing reloading and they're worried about ballistics coefficient, they're worrying about it because the better, uh, I should say, the more aerodynamic a projectile is, in theory, the faster it will go and the more accurate it will be. Is that, is that accurate? Is that pretty, pretty close to fact? The higher the ballistic coefficient of the of the bullet, all other things being equal, the better it will retain velocity and energy downrange. So, for example, if if you're talking about uh, I don't know, 308, then uh, a 175 grain Sierra Match King will have a much higher ballistic coefficient than your standard, you know, 147, 150 grain, uh, just you know, bullet that you that you get in a big bin. But even though the heavier bullet is moving slower out of the muzzle, because it has a higher ballistic coefficient, it's more aerodynamic, it cuts through the air better, it will retain that velocity better downrange. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it that way. Oh, okay. And again, yeah, so that's why you see sort of match loads generally being loaded particularly heavy for caliber. So talking in 5.56, most of the ammunition you get off the shelf at the store is either 55 grain or 62 grain. But if you talk to guys who shoot, you know, national match and all sorts of other competitive type shooting where they need very good precision and as much range as they can squeeze out of their rifles, they're running, you know, 69, 75, 77, 80 grain bullets. I don't know. I didn't get any of these genes, Dave. I have no, no idea. <laughs> you must, this all came from his dad's side. Holy I'm sure mackerel. <laughs> you are one amazing young man, I must say. Excellent job, Sam. Thanks very much. I'm getting me some tang. That's all there is to it. That's got to be the common That's denominator. That's what it is. That must be what it is. Take care, buddy. You too. All right, folks. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed that show as much as we've enjoyed giving it to you. And for podcast or for downloads, thank you, folks. You guys are doing a really an awesome job. And we really want to thank Firearms Legal Protection at FirearmsLegal.com. 
San Diego County gun owners at sdcgo.org. U.S. Law Shield at uslawshield.com. Cali Key at calikey.com. PRMI Mortgage at prmires.com backslash alpine.com. The Law Office of John Dillon. The Gun Range San Diego at thegunrangesandiego.com. A.O. Sword Firearm Store at aosword.com. Definitely want to thank Lance Pelkey, Michael Schwartz, Joe Jermisi, Sam the Gunman, and Brendan Thomas, our good buddy behind the box. Go to gunsportsradio.com for podcasts and up-to-date information. Bob Siegel's in the wings, and he is ready to rock your world. Do not touch that dial on FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.